Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and today we have an interview with Jackson Parr, who you might know from around the county. He's worked at a bunch of different places, including the Peninsula Pulse. He's done a number of incredible articles for us over the past years, and he is currently our man at the Capitol. He's been doing a lot of work down in Madison, and today Miles and him are going to be talking about how COVID-19 is going to affect municipal budgets, among other things, as we are going into our sixth, seventh week of working from home and having businesses closed down and that sort of thing. So without further ado, I will send it over to Miles and Jackson. All right, joining me now by phone is Jackson Parr, our Still, I was going to say former writer, but still contributor to the Peninsula Pulse um, and now grad student at UW-Madison. Jackson, thanks for uh, getting on the horn with me. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. You did some research for us this week, which uh, is going to be some really important stuff for people to to think about in local government in the weeks ahead. But just looking at what the COVID-19 impact is going to be on municipal budgets, which obviously everyone's been talking about how it's going to impact businesses, but this closure now that it goes into like the fifth and sixth week, you're really going to start to see some impacts on our local tax collections. So you talked to a bunch of different uh, communities. What did you find out? Yeah, so there's, there's kind of a few different ways in which municipal and county government um, in particular are going to have to kind of navigate through the next couple months given losses in revenue uh, related to COVID impacts. Um, one of the big ones that is a little bit obvious is the sales tax. So people not going out to dinner, buying fewer things, uh, that reduction in sales tax um, really falls primarily on the county, actually. So the county gets one half percent of all the sales tax collected in Door County. Um, so of, of the five and a half percent sales tax that you and I pay, half a percent of that goes right back to Door County. And that can get up into the multi-millions of dollars over the year. Kind of the numbers that I ran is this, if we were to see really a 10% decline in sales tax in April and May, which is pretty much where the brunt of these kind of business restrictions particularly are, are, are being felt, um, the county would be looking at about $50,000 in, in revenue decline. So 10% decline in sales tax translates into about $50,000 in a budgetary hit for the county. The other place in which sales tax comes through is actually in Sister Bay. So Sister Bay a few years ago, as we probably know, instituted the premier resort area tax, which is another half percent onto the sales tax. You know, so the village was looking at using that to plug some challenging areas of the budget. A decline in sales tax will will hit that section of uh, Sister Bay's revenues a little bit. Um, Dave Leenow, the Sister Bay village president, expressed some concern over that that kind of sales tax, premier resort area tax hit. I mean, if there's any good news, it's that. April and even May are pretty low months for sales tax in general. So things would be much different if we were talking about this in July and August. <laughs> um, so silver lining if there if there could be one. And then there's also the room tax implications right now. And, and again, just like you said, it probably is hitting at the best possible time to limit the impact on room tax. But what did what did you hear from the municipalities on what this is what that room tax impact is going to be on local budgets? Yeah, the room tax is, is kind of an interesting one. So um, maybe to frame this a little bit, the, the February 2020 report, room tax report came out not long ago and showed a, a pretty significant decline, about 10% decline in February room tax collection. Now, uh, 
Kim Roberts, the administrator for the Tourism Zone Commission, really stressed that that was likely due to the fact that these room tax collections for February, they're not due until March 31st. And uh, she's told me in the past that a lot of lodging operators really don't get those payments in until until the end of the month, until they have to. So end of March, we're, we're looking at the time in which in which these these COVID impacts were heating up, business closures, um, Governor Evers' stay, stay at home order, safer home order. So a lot of those, Kim Roberts felt like the decline in room tax for February was was really due to just uh, late payments that were still to come in. And she did see a significant number of payments come in shortly after that deadline. Um, but room tax generally, like you said, you know, it is going to be a hit. But if if there is a hit, it's best to happen happen in April of all times. Um, I I communicated with Ryan Heisey over at the Village of Egg Harbor, and he was saying that you know we're going to look at aspects related to room tax and what that room tax funds go towards. So municipalities get 30% of room tax collections, and they could really use that in any way they want. They could build a road, they could hold a festival. Most municipalities at least anecdotally, like to use that room tax revenue towards their their local chamber or tourism initiatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Heise pointed out that, you know, if if we're not having large festivals that are funded by room tax dollars this summer, then maybe the decline in room tax revenue will kind of be a wash. So that money would normally go towards funding festivals for not having festivals. Mm maybe it'll wash out a little bit and not be as, as directly of an impact. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can't expect those room tax collections to decline. It seems like things are, are opening up a little bit more. I know Governor Evers is, is lifting some restrictions on uh, businesses heading into May, although that safer home order does extend to the 26th. Um, so we'll kind of see how Memorial Day plays out related to room tax. But again, there is some silver lining to think that had, had this happened, almost any other time of year, it would be a much harder hit felt at the municipal level. You point out in the article that the county has now, is already adjusting and has furloughed 59 employees. How is this, how is the county handling this and and do they have an eye on like what kind of services are going to get hit by this? So uh, county administrator Ken Tavik said uh, they were looking at, yeah, they they were implementing a furlough of 59 employees starting uh, this week really looking at a furlough to maintain uh, benefits for those employees, although they will not receive their, their salaries. And, you know, that decision, I guess, was, was twofold. One, there are, there are positions that simply cannot be completed. Uh, the, the, the jobs cannot be completed under mobility or in-person restrictions. Uh, they can't really be done remote. Um, and then the other side is just trying to be aware of budget impacts and, knowing that it's going to be a rough few months ahead. Um, so those those 59 employees were kind of across all division departments of the county, but it, it sounded like primarily those employees who simply through the function of their job could not perform their roles remotely. Hmm. What else can you tell me about what you learned um, in talking to these municipal heads? One thing that might be interesting to see is how does this, like Joel Kitchens has said, this is just going to crush the state budget, which in turn crushes local budgets. Did anybody talk about what that impact might be, especially when it comes to, to road funding that I know a lot of communities rely on some some kickback from the state for that? Yeah, so state aid is really the, the big question mark as far as, I mean, we talked about sales tax, room tax. Yes, there will be impacts 
this time of year might be the best time in which we can we can absorb those impacts. Um, state aid is a little bit of a different story. I mean, as as Representative Kitchen said, uh, the state budget is just getting hammered. I mean, it massive portions of the state budget come from in, income tax, sales tax, gas tax, and all of those have obviously just taken a nosedive. Well, demand for services, unemployment services in particular, have just gone through the roof. So Kitchens indicated that it was unlikely that the legislature was going to get together uh, before the next regular session, which would be not until this winter, uh, to put through a budget repair bill and kind of patch those holes. You're right in that. So municipalities do get about 25% of their entire annual budget from state aid, so revenue that comes from the state to the municipality. A very significant portion of that is for roads, local roads. So just as, a, as an example, uh, Dave Lino up in Sister Bay told me that the village gets approximately $100,000 from the state for roads, and $100,000 is more than 5% of the entire village budget. Hmm. So if those local road aids take a hit, I mean, not only are, is the village going to, in general, be in the hole on roads, but they're, you know, they're looking right off the bat at an up to 5% decline in their entire budget outlay, which is, I mean, it's massive. When you, when you look at that compared to something like room tax or sales tax, it's really that state aid that's going to be uh, the biggest question mark. And it made even, even more complicated with the fact that it's unlikely that municipalities are going to really know what that state aid projection looks like until this budget repair bill is, is crafted. Hmm. Uh, so, and this comes at a time when municipalities all over the state are, are struggling to maintain their roads to begin with and begging the state for more money to do that. The city of Sturgeon Bay, uh, a prime example of one that's just falling so far behind on their, their road upkeep. So and that's going to be really interesting to watch and see how all the different ways that this trickles down to impact people's lives, because that then becomes a question of, all right, what services does the community, does the village or town or city provide or county that we now either have to stop altogether, cut way back on those services. It's going to be an interesting year ahead. Well, possibly years ahead as we feel the effects of this. Jackson, while we got you, you're a grad student at UW-Madison. Since they closed the campus, you've been hunkered down at your parents' house, correct? Yes, this is uh, coming to you from my childhood bedroom. <laughs> what, what has school been like over the last what has grad school been like for the last month or so and what were you like how does this compare to being on campus and education style um everything that that you're trying to do and, and finish up with your grad program yeah i mean it's challenging i would say that in in at least in my specific situation uh, most of the schoolwork that i do coursework that i do is you know reports for outside clients and I'm fortunate in that most of that can be done remotely. Obviously, there was a big adjustment period. Um, I'm I'm not in a situation where I have to sit in an online lecture with 300 students to learn biology or chemistry. Yeah, uh, which I can imagine is is more difficult. Um, but no, it's been an adjustment. And I mean, one of the aspects of my water resources degree uh, is this summer we're supposed to do a bunch of field work out in uh, the Drupal's region, out near La Crosse. Um, and UW has essentially, you know, shut down all classes and programming through uh, through the summer. So I mean, the impacts, at least for me, will be ongoing into the foreseeable future. Um, but it's been challenging. I mean, there's really there's really not much 
good to say about it as much <laughs> as, unless you talk about how, you know, people have done their best to adapt. Yeah. It's, I, I'm very curious to see what, what college campuses look like next fall. Um, I was reading just the other day, I think it was the, someone from Brown university had written a piece on like, Hey, we we're, we're going to lose universities. Like some higher education facilities are not going to be able to survive this. And it's going to put a massive strain on all sorts of different higher education facilities. Uh, I don't I'm curious. Is Madison talking much about like what, what's going to, what things might look like next fall or is, is there any communication on that front yet for students? You know, I've heard, I've heard a little bit, definitely nothing official or formal from the university, but there's been kind of inklings in, in my networks uh, talking about that things will continue to be, if not remote, then kind of reduced contact into the fall semester. Um, and I know universities are, are concerned about that uh, because, you know, a student that's accepted may choose to just defer for the year and start attending school next year when hopefully all of this is in the past. Um, but that simultaneously simultaneously puts a strain on university budgets, which are already stressed due to everything that's going on um, and the adjustments that needed to be made and reimbursements over room and board costs. And tangentially, you know, that falls at least to the public for the public universities that that falls back on the state a little bit. So again, we have a uh, circle back to <laughs> state budget having a hard time navigating through this as uh, demands for services rise from the state. Yeah, more good news. Thanks, Jackson. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was, as I was writing this, um, what I realized is like with everything that's going on, at least the the tax structure seems to be resilient, which I'm sure everybody is very happy to hear <laughs> that uh, your taxes seem to still be collected and used. So um, I, I do great news there. Dave Lena had said that uh, the county has the leeway they have not made this decision yet but the the state has allowed them to delay the collection of personal property taxes to october 31st without penalty or interest charges um and i think those would normally be due in july so yeah so the so property taxes are traditionally due um there's a january payment and then the july 31st payment um and this legislation that was passed essentially allows counties and municipalities to to delay that July 31st date until October 1st without any interest or penalties. Um, Ken Paddock at the county said that they haven't discussed that yet, but it may be on the table in the future. Um, that does bring up some concerns for just cash flow purposes. Mm -hmm. I mean, municipalities in the county, you know, they expect an influx of cash around July, around and shortly after July 31st. If that gets pushed back to October 1st, and you have bills coming in. There can be some cash flow concerns there. Um, but again, it kind of remains to be seen how that'll all play out. Well, pretty soon we won't even have cash. We'll just be bartering uh, chicken eggs for firewood and, and trading goods and services back and forth. Jackson, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for your work on this article. It's nice to get a helping hand right now. Um, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Miles. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.